Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. I've been counting down the days, counting down the days until this show. And today, I'm hoping you'll just give yourself this next hour to listen, because I promise it'll be a gift to you in many ways. I promise. Millions of you have already discovered this phenomenon. For months, women have been carrying it everywhere. I've seen it on planes and buses and trains, everywhere. Eat, pray, love. Has been on the New York Times bestseller list now for 35 weeks. 31-year-old Elizabeth Gilbert had the husband, the career, and the life so many women envy. But privately, she was literally falling apart on her bathroom floor, night after night. I don't want to be married anymore. I don't want to live in this big house. I don't want to have a baby. Within months, she left her husband and filed for divorce. Soon after, she moved in with another man. But her new lover didn't hold the key to her happiness either. Looking to put an ocean between herself and her wreck of a life, Elizabeth accepted a writing assignment in Bali. There, a medicine man gave her a life-changing prophecy saying she would be back. And this was how Liz's year-long quest to reclaim herself began. She started in Italy, where, for months, she ate plates and plates of homemade pasta and rediscovered what made her feel good. Then it was on to India to pray. There, she scrubbed stone floors at an ashram while living with strangers and keeping silent. Her last stop was the island of Bali, where the pieces of her broken life finally came together in a whole new order. Wow, our entire audience has read Eat, Pray, Love, and author Elizabeth Gilbert has practically become a rock star. I haven't been this excited since Bono was here. <laughs> really. 
When Bono was here for the first time, I was like quivering, and I'm now quivering that you're here. I'm oh. so thrilled to have you here that today. That makes two of us. Elizabeth Gilbert. Kidding you? This summer, ev I'm not kidding. Everywhere I went, everybody was reading it. Oh, I went to get a massage, and my book was laying there on the bed. The woman came to my house, and she said, "Oh my God, you're reading this?" I go, "Yeah, I am." She goes, "I bought a copy, and then I bought five copies for all my girlfriends." What is going on? It's amazing, Isn't and it, it saves amazing? my mom the trouble of having to buy all those copies yes. and distribute them. So, yes. so thank you, everybody, for How taking that over. Did you have any idea that it would become this kind of phenomenon? Of course not. You know, sometimes people come up and they say, I, I found your book at exactly the right moment, and thank you so much for yes. writing this for me. And I'm like, I wish I could say I wrote it for you, but I didn't. I wrote it for me. You know, I, I, I wrote it to write my way out of the horrible situation I was in in my life. And, that's all I was thinking about. When okay, I was so a better that. question is: Did you have any idea that your, the depth of your feelings of despair would strike such a chord, though? I guess no. I definitely never anticipated anything like this. But on the other hand, you know, if you consider that that journey started on the bathroom floor, three o'clock in the morning, going through the beginnings of the divorce, sobbing my eyes out, you know, it seems like this really low moment. On the other hand, who amongst us has not? Met our bathroom floor tiles at yes. 3 a.m. from a Who quarter of an inch away. The tiles. Show of hands. <laughs> yes. Show of hands. If you're not real familiar with the grouting on your yes. bathroom yes. tile, yes. you know. And and so I think that 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 alone makes it a universal experience for people, you know, who are struggling with those similar questions. And, and the reason why I thought I, I wanted the women and men who are watching this to take this hour and give back to themselves, because I know you're going to hear something that strikes another chord. But you were there, had visually in your life, if we were looking from a distance, yeah. it looked like the perfect picket fence. Yeah, it looked You good. had all the stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had all the stuff. But the stuff wasn't satisfying me. And I was never a person who was after the stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not how I was raised, and it's not what I was really into. And yet, somehow, I had fallen into what started to feel like a trench. And I had that horrible moment that I think many of us have in our lives, where you look around and say, whose house am I living in? You know, who am I married to? What are my values? Whose body is this? What's how did I get on? here? How did I get here? Yeah. You know, and, um, and from there, it all, it all began. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay. That bathroom moment. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, that was fun. Yes. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. So were you crying every night? Were you yeah. every night in the bathroom? Only basically? for about six months. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's one of those things where you're faced with that moment where you realize I can either eat this and continue on in this path, I can white knuckle my way yes. through it. Yeah. Or I'm gonna have to tear this thing apart down yeah. to the foundation, and, and that is not going to be appreciated by everybody anyone. watching can understand that moment where you think Am I going to settle? Do I choose to settle for what this is? Yeah. Because this isn't bad. This is really good. And that's what you tell yourself. Like, what am I complaining about? This isn't so bad. I've had women come up to me and say, before they left their marriage, why am I complaining? He doesn't beat me. Yeah. And I think, well, 
don't we aspire for more than just not being beaten? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, not being beaten's yeah. great, but yeah. like maybe there's something else in your life besides that that, that you're made for. And you what know? were you feeling in that bathroom? I was feeling the call to leave, to run, to scram. And I've always been a traveler. I've always been an explorer. I've always been a, somebody who takes journeys. And I just wanted to get out of there. Did you feel that if you didn't, you would die? I felt like if I didn't, I would die. And I felt like a squirrel in a box, sort of clawing at the walls of my life. And I think I might have swallowed that, except for the fact that, thanks to how I was raised and, you know, the woman mm. who raised me, I never got the memo that said, you're not allowed to become the hero of your own life's journey. I was never taught that you are not allowed to do that. And somehow I had lost that, that path along the way, and I just increasingly began to feel like this is your life and you are the only person who can be the hero of it. And this is not working here. Well, one of the reasons I love this, for so many reasons I love Eat, Pray, Love, but you were very discreet in describing, you told us but didn't really tell us what was going on in your marriage in yeah. order to protect his privacy. Yeah. So was it just this sort of unsettling with yourself? That was unraveling the marriage. Yeah. It was a combination of things that had, you know, incompatibilities that, that had occurred. But I, I won't lay that on him because the reality is that it, it was much more of an internal volcano than it For was you. anything else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was about that, that that I had woken up to the fact that that my life no longer resembled me, and that oh, it was only no going to get worse. Me. Let's just hold that a moment. My life no longer resembled. It me. didn't look like me. I had friends who came to my house and said, "I can't believe you live in this house." And I would say, no, it's great. Like that, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's great. No, it's great. I'm really happy. You know, it's, uh -huh. but it's not. And, and the, the, the deal breaker was that we were talking about having kids. And I think one thing that had happened as I had advanced on the trail toward marriage is something that happens to a lot of women, which is that I was ambivalent in many of these key moments in my life. I felt ambivalence. I was an equal yes and no. I want to do this. I don't want to do this. I didn't want to hold up the train of progress, so I just always said yes. Yes. And I never knew at that age, in my 20s, that I don't know is actually a legitimate answer that you're allowed to say. You're allowed to say, I don't know. And you're allowed to ask for as much time as you need until you do know. And if somebody doesn't want to give you that time, they're allowed to leave. But you're allowed to sit with your I don't know. And I never sat with it because it was uncomfortable. Nobody likes that place. And so I always said yes. Oh, sure, let's move in together. Let's get married. Let's buy a house. Let's do all this stuff that I was sort of half yes, half no. Mm -hmm. And when it came to let's have a kid, that's where I thought I cannot make that decision from a place of yes and no. That has to be a yes or it can't happen. And you were able to do that because now it's not just your life, it's another life? It's not just my decision. It's yes. introducing another soul into the planet who has the right to be born to a mother who desperately wants a child. And I was a potential mother-to-be who was crying on the floor every night saying, I don't want a kid. And yet I felt this obligation, you've gone this far, you started this. Yeah, I guess you got to yes. go And so many women are in that predicament where they say, well, you're now here, so now I guess I got to. I guess I got to do this. I guess I got to do Everyone wants it. me to do this. I would have to say, my, my friend Maria Shriver gave me this book, uh -huh. and I've now since given it to I don't know how many people. Oh, I have a TV show. I told lots of people. <laughs> oh, that's right. I've given to a lot, <laughs> a lot of people. And so tell us about that moment of despair where you're in the bathroom. Mm. I'm not somebody who's we really grew up praying. We, we went to a, a very conservative Protestant church where you didn't really pray, yeah. you know? So I just started praying. I mean, I, I had this, I thought, oh, I've heard of this, right? When people are in despair and they're sobbing and sometimes they pray, so let me give that a shot, you know? And I just started speaking directly. I, I had no experience how to do it, but I just said to God, I need your help. I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do. And the decision I was struggling with was, do I stay in this marriage? Do I leave this marriage? 
And I just kept saying over and over again, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And I, I kept waiting for the, the big sort of Charlton Heston answer. You know, yes. yes, stay, no, go, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, um, but that's not how it God works. God speaks to you, no. No, and what happened was that all of a sudden, I fell into this pocket of stillness, unlike anything I had mm -hmm. ever felt in my life, mm -hmm. this divine, quiet envelope of peace. And I heard this voice that was my own voice, but not. Mm -hmm. And in my head, and it said very clearly, go back to bed, Liz. And that was the answer that God gave me that night, which was, you don't need to know tonight on a Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the morning what to do, because you don't know, and you won't know until you do know. But in the meanwhile, you need to sleep, because you need your rest and you need your strength. Go back to bed. I'll keep the watch. Mm -hmm. Try it again tomorrow. We'll try it again tomorrow. And every night it came, go back to bed. We're getting there. When you know, you'll do it. Tell me about this moment in the book on page 54 when you write, you are writing to yourself. I thought this was an interesting mm. process. You sit down mm -hmm. and you find yourself writing to yourself this, I'm here, I love you. I don't care if you need to stay up crying all night long. I will stay with you. If you need the medication, again, go ahead and take it. I will love you through that as well. If you don't need the medication, I will love you too. There's nothing you can ever do to lose my love. I will protect you until you die. And after your death, I will still protect you. I am stronger than depression. Mm -hmm. And I am braver than loneliness. And nothing will ever exhaust me. How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, really. That came out of this thing that I started doing. I'm a social person. It's easy for me to find people to fall apart on. Mm -hmm. Like any person in this audience, if I meet you in a grocery store and I'm having a bad day, you'll be holding me while I weep in your arms within five <laughs> minutes, right? Like I know how to do that. And yeah. I've always used that as a way to not really cope with my own problems. And so during these years, as I was trying to build myself back up, I thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing this now. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get a journal and I'm gonna ask myself for help as though I was a friend, a, a dear loved one. And I'm gonna write back to myself everything I've always wanted somebody to say to me when I'm in my deepest despair. There's nothing you can ever do to lose my love. I'm here, I'll always be here. And we know how to do that for other people. Yes. I mean, who amongst us has not done that for a dear friend? That's right. Who calls in the middle of the night and you say, I'm hey. here, I love you, you're great, we're gonna pull through this. Yes. But we don't know how to turn that around and direct it toward to the self. And yeah. somehow the act of doing that in a diary, and I would sit down with the diary, sobbing, like snot running down my chin, sobbing. Yeah, yeah. And right, I am in... not sob. <laughs> yeah. yes. I have a friend who calls it double pumping it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like those big, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I would write, I am in so much trouble, I need you. And there it would be. I would write back, I am here, what do you need? Tell me, I love you, what do you need? Well, this is what I didn't get from the book. Is that a conscious thing? So you, you would write back consciously to yourself? Or it, is it like something would write for you? It clearly the snot-chinned woman yeah. was not capable of divine grace at that moment. Yeah, yeah. So something was coming through there. You know, we all have this cacophony, this word salad of voices yes. in our heads at any time. Somehow the, the act of, of sitting down and asking for the specific voice I needed summoned it. I do not dare to say what that voice was. You know, I know that it came through me, but it was not entirely me. You know, is it an angel? Is it like, you know, Your guide, my yes. social worker. And who does would, it matter? You know, like, does, it, does it matter? I, as long what as you, you believe it. in it and lean on it and mm -hmm. listen to it, I'm not sure that it does matter. Yeah. Um, it's just there when you need it.
And so did you start listening to it more? Yeah. Yes. And, and, and a lot of the things that it was saying, I remember one time writing, I want to quit. You know, this was when I was feeling particularly suicidal. I want to quit. And the voice, whatever it was, wrote back, so quit. Let me do it. Quit working so hard. I was struggling so hard to pull myself out of the depression. Yeah, yeah. And it was saying, let go. It's not your job. I've got you. I'm holding you. Okay. Let it be. All right. Well, obviously, if you haven't read this book, and there may be a few of you left who haven't, uh, <laughs> I can't go through every page. But let's just go to how you ended up with, I love you because you wanted to eat. You got to start with eating. Got to start. <laughs> I love you because you wanted to eat. Yes. You know, I mean, and did you, did you consciously choose, I'm going to eat, I'm going to pray, I'm going to love? I, I wish I could say that. I mean, now when I look back on yes. it, there was like, it, it's clear some divine hand was guiding it because yes. it was so perfect, the order that I had done it in. If I went to India first instead of Italy first, I would have been sent home in a basket because I was still on antidepressants. I was sick. I was weak. I was skinny. I was just out of a divorce. I would not have been able to physically do the yoga, the meditation, the hard rigor of uh -huh. spiritual work, uh -huh. you know? So I went to Italy first, and I ate my guts out for four months. Yes. And I went to India, went to India Italy ready. First. Okay, but you went to Italy first because yeah. you wanted to learn the language. I wanted pleasure. I wanted language. And the things I wanted in my life that I really felt when I examined myself and thought, what's missing? Why are you so sad? I felt I'm missing pleasure, and I'm missing devotion. So I went, I'm like, well, where do you go to get that? Who's the master of pleasure? Who knows more about pleasure than anyone in the world? Romans. Romans. <laughs> Romans. You got to go to Rome. Yes. You know, like, and they endorse that there. And, you know, when I told my American friends I'm going to go study pleasure for four months, they were like, can you do that? <laughs> you know? And when I told yeah. my Italian friends I'm here to study pleasure, they're like, vai avanti, be our guest, knock yourself out. Yeah, yeah. right. Why only four months? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but so you're in Rome, yeah. eating, just really eating whatever you want. What it was was that the freedom to gain 24 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> that you can't have pasta for lunch and then do it again for dinner. There's That's no what reason. I realized. There's, There's no, no reason, reason you can't have gelato before breakfast. That's what I told myself. <laughs> I was like, for these four months, Liz, you have always been so driven, so organized, so responsible. What if you just did what you wanted that would make you happy every day for four months? What would happen to you? And how horrible would it be, really? You know, because the things I wanted were harmless to anyone else except maybe, you know, my genes. Yeah. J-E-A-N-S. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know. but what I loved about it, you ate it, and then there wasn't, you know, as we all do, I still do, you know, you eat it, and then you go, oh, God, how many calories is that? I shouldn't eat that. And then now I can't eat for two more days because, you know. I was like, I'm not it. doing that. Yeah, you didn't do that. I'm not. I, I made a rule. I got disciplined about it, about my eating, and the discipline was, we're not doing that. You were disciplined about pleasure. I was disciplined about my pleasure. I'm not going to beat myself up for something that is so simply wonderful as this meal. And I have to say, like, I don't want to become, you know, like the binge guru, you yeah. know, but, yeah. but, and I do think there's a difference between eating six packs of potato chips over your sink at 4 a.m. and going to Rome and having a meal prepared yeah. by masters. That pizza, that pizza at Naples. That was oh, a religious God. experience. I want to go there. <laughs> Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
You know, at one point we were talking about the producers are so great and everything. Let's bring on the guy who makes the pizza. He think I go, I don't want the pizza in my studio in Chicago. <laughs> I want to go to Naples and have that pizza. You have to. Yes, the whole idea is to go there and have that pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth started her journey in Italy and then traveled on to India. So what were you searching for there? I was searching for inner peace. Yeah. I wish there was less of a, a teabag motto way of saying that, but really, you know? And I had started yoga and meditation before I left, and I knew that it was going to be my way and that I needed more of that. And actually, I guess really the best way to say it was I was, I was trying to establish a lifelong relationship with that interior voice that I met on the bathroom floor. I was I trying know. to find how do I get there and how do I keep that and how do I hold that? And it seemed like a monastic environment would be the best place in which to do that. Really? Yeah, because. Yeah. Well, the year was about really dedicating myself to each one of these aspects, right? First, there was the pleasure. Okay, full out, Italy. And then... You gained 24 pounds. Yeah, and then I thought, well, that'll just fall right off with the parasites in India, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then it was to, to India, and the idea was the reverse, the other aspect of what you can only do with your human life. Know who you are. Where did you come from? What are you made of? And, and there was something about that yogic path that really appealed to me and the idea that you do that through silence and you do that through the discipline of meditation. And I really wanted to go pursue that full out. Yes, and then you're writing, this is so funny, I had already read it and then some friends came to my house and so we're all like reading again together. Oh. And one of my friends said, oh God, I wanna go to an ashram. I go, keep reading. Keep reading. Yeah, it ain't a spa. Yeah, it is not a spa. Yeah. And you're sitting there with the 22 mosquito bites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did a little meditation test on myself one night. I said, I'm not moving from this place. I'm going to meditate. And then came the mosquitoes. You know, and I thought, I'm not going to slap at them because I've spent my life slapping away at every little reflexive thing that irritates me. And I'm just going to sit through this to show that I am in the master of myself. And we're going to start with the mosquito bites and then work down to the soul. Yeah, what did that teach you? Stillness. I mean, stillness. None of this works without stillness. One of, one of the great teachings that I learned in India that's this ancient teaching there is that silence is the only true religion. That is the only place you can really find it is in stillness. You know, yes. the Zen say you cannot see your image in moving water. You can only see your image in still water. That's right. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. There it is. And I, had, I was somebody who had never learned how to sit in my own company without driving myself insane. And I think many of us are like that. And we set up our lives so that we do not need to be with ourselves. You know, I was in an elevator in New York the other day, coming up an elevator. And there's a television set in the elevator. With, you know, like, so heaven forfend, anyone should have to spend eight seconds alone. Yes. You know, um, yes. because it's so scary. It's like, oh, good, Fox News. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I don't have to think about me or my life or my existence. Right. This is painful. Yeah. So you're there and you learn to be still with yourself. Yeah. Over and time. Over time. <laughs> over time. And on page 142 in Eat, Pray, Love, you talk about this moment. You say, it's humming up from the base of my spine. So you're in a meditative state at this point, mm -hmm. right? My neck feels like it wants to stretch and twist, so I let it. And then I'm sitting there in the strangest position, perched upright like a good yogi, but with my left ear pressed hard against my left shoulder. I tried to do that, and I was hard. <laughs> I don't know why my head and neck want to do this, but I'm not going to argue with them. They are insistent. The pounding blue energy keeps pitching through my body, and I can hear a sort of thrumming sound in my ears. And it's so mighty now that I actually can't deal with it anymore. It scares me so much that I say to it, I'm not ready yet. 
and I opened my eyes. Yeah. The power. <laughs> the, the, the source of it all. I mean, that's where you go in meditation. If you stay with it long enough, you go back to where you came from. You know, you go back to the generative source of the universe. And it is impressive, and it can be terrifying. And part of the reason that in India they have this ancient tradition of setting up an ashram where you go and meditate with masters and yogis around you is because you need help through that because it's scary. Elizabeth Gilbert says that the number one rule on a spiritual quest is to understand that everybody you meet is sent to you as a teacher. And at the ashram in India, she befriended an interesting guy from Texas named Richard. Come on up here, Richard. <laughs> just like you thought he was. <laughs> he looks like I thought he would, but he's a little more cleaned up than I thought you would He's all would crumbed be. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, thank you. tell us what you were doing at an ashram. I went to India to, uh, I'd been meditating for some time, and I just wanted to go deeper within. And I wanted to find the quietest place that was most conducive for that. So I went to an ashram in India, the particular ashram that the mother ashram of the path that I was on. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Liz when you first met her? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, she seemed like a combination of uh, Henny Penny and Chatty Cathy. And... <laughs> <laughs> she had these issues of a lifetime swirling around her head like, like flies, and she was just kind of going around as if they weren't even there, but yet trying to swat them away at the same time. <laughs> And I think you, you believe that she needed to have all of this going on to sort of have this kind of eruption, you know, for herself. Exactly. It was, a, it was the perfect thing to be happening to her. It was the perfect time for it to be happening. The per perfect place. For it to be happening. For it to be happening. Why'd you start calling her groceries? <laughs> well, even before I met her, I heard her eat. <laughs> <laughs> she really enjoyed her food, and she spoke to it as she ate. Like what? So I would hear this, mmm, oh, mmm, choo-choo-choo-choo, mmm. Choo, choo, choo. And I thought, what in, this woman really enjoys her groceries. <laughs> so I started calling her Call groceries. groceries. Yeah. yeah. What did you learn from Richard? Oh, what didn't I learn from Richard? Yeah. You know, the main thing was that, that, that he took all these super esoteric, you know, ancient Indian yogic ideas, and he boiled them down into these simple Texas pragmatic sort of mantras for me that I could digest. The best thing of all, when he said to me, you know, I kept saying, I wish, I wish, I wish that I still had my ex-boyfriend. I wish he still loved me. I wish I had this. And he said, groceries, babe, you got to stop wearing your wishbone where your backbone ought to be. I like, love that. I love that. You know? You can build your whole life on that line. You know? What yes. are you, wishbone or backbone? Come on. Yeah. Step up to it. So no. did you ever find yourself meditating and find yourself in the palm of God, Richard? I've never had that kind of experience meditating. I, I have the more mundane, <laughs> milk toast meditation experiences. <laughs> I don't get the colors, the sounds, and the, the whirling and swirling. And It's never happened to you? No. no. And it doesn't have to, because each of us are complete beings, complete humans, complete lives. And what's appropriate for another person may not be appropriate for me. Mm. So I just quietly go on about my business.
tell me what that was like, being in the palm of God. It was very brief. It was also very eternal. It was as though the scales fell from my eyes and the openings of the universe were shown to me. And what I felt was pure, divine, eternal, knowing, compassionate love. And it was obvious. It wasn't even exhilarating. It was like, oh, it was like when you look at an optical illusion and all yes. of a sudden, oh, I see. Yes. It just switched like this. And I, oh, I see. I am that. I come from that. That is what I am. And that is what everything is. And it seemed comic to me that you could ever not know that, that you could ever not operate from that place, that you could ever not see that in anyone that you were with. And, and it was so wonderful. And then it was the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. And then I thought, I want to hold on to this forever. And it went, bye. You know, like the minute you want to grab it and cling to it, it's gone. The minute you, I wish, I wish. The minute you, your wishbone comes back, it goes. Yeah. It goes. And what it sort of said as it went was, you, you can have this back once you realize you already have it, and you always had it, and you'll always have it. That's when you'll have it again, when you know that. But you so can't have, you, have it by holding on to it. Have you felt that again? Have you felt that? I don't that? think I have ever reached that position again, but I also haven't chased it. And I also feel like there's this great Japanese ancient poem that says, when I stand on the mountaintop, the world unfolds before me. When I walk through the marketplace, I carry the mountaintop under my robes. Once you've seen that, you get to take it with you in your mundane life, and you know. It's like in your pocket. You know this truth. Wow. And you don't have to know it from the place of experiencing it. You just remember, and it's enough. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Richard is one of the few people in the book whose real name you really use. Yeah, Richard, yeah. Is, Richard is Richard. Yeah, Richard's Richard. <laughs> Richard, did you know that she was, you know, writing this book at the time? I knew she was writing this book, but I didn't realize what that meant. <laughs> I didn't realize talking to a writer who's writing a book is like talking to a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> and things are being written down that I forgot. I've said, or situations that I forgot about. And suddenly, I read it in a book, and I go, oh my god. It is a book. She was writing a book. She was <laughs> writing a book. Well, you don't have to travel across the world like Elizabeth Gilbert to reclaim your life, as she describes so beautifully in Eat, Pray, Love. You've always had the power, Dorothy. It's my favorite line from The Wizard of Oz. You've always had it. In Eat, Pray, Love, Liz writes about the end of her journey in Bali, where she reunited with the medicine man, is it Katut? Katut. Katut, who had predicted that she would return one day. Mm -hmm. Then when you got there, you didn't really remember that prediction. <laughs> yeah. He didn't and have I'm the first idea who I was. Yeah. Then, I was just... like, I'm here. And he's like. And he's like, and you want what? <laughs> so you, go, you yeah. go to Bali. Yeah, yeah. I went back there following what he had said. You know, you're going to come back here, and you're going to become my, my teacher of English, and I'm going to teach you everything about the world. Yeah, but this is what I never understood in the book. I'm thinking, well, you've been in the palm of God. You could just go home. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. done. You weren't done. I wasn't done. And the reason I wasn't done was because I did my four months of pleasure, and I did my four months of devotion. And then I wanted to do four months where I learned how to 
integrate those and create a life where I had both of those in equal measure. And that's what they do in Bali better than anywhere else in the world. Really? Yeah. They have like all the joy and all the sort of beauty of Italy and all the depth and spirituality of India. And they do it seamlessly. And I thought, these people have a lesson that I want to, I want to learn. Yeah, I love that. You know, I'd never even heard of that ritual of the babies not being able to put their feet on the ground until... Till six months. Till six months. Yeah, yeah, because yes. they're not human yet. Because they're not... They're still oh, halfway I God. I love that. I love so that. So you wouldn't put God on the floor. Yeah. You know, they revere their children so much. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So I just went to Coutelier's house every day and sat at his feet. And this man who had really never left his porch and this very small village in this very small island of Bali just allowed me to become his, his little student for a while. And what did you learn sitting there at his feet? The, two things. Um, one was the specific meditation that he taught me. After all this sort of super esoteric study I had done in India, he said, why do they make it so complicated in India with the meditation? He said, I'll give you a meditation, the only thing you ever need to know, how to meditate right now. Sit and smile. That was it. And he said, I said, that's it? He said, sit and smile. He said, even smile in your liver. Wow. Smile all the way through. Sit there and smile all the way through and see if that doesn't work a little bit to start to change your life and cause a little revolution in your mind. Yeah. Changes a little vibration. Yeah. It changes With the vibrational frequency. Yeah, amazing. It does. Yeah. And then you found love. Yeah. Yeah, you weren't even looking that for that. That wasn't even on the list. I had so given up on that. And I remember going through, I mean, I was in Rome. I was in Italy where people are like, making love on the sidewalks, you know, yeah. in front of you. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, this is not for you. Yes. You know, not you're going to, yeah. or maybe ever, yeah. you're going to have a different kind of life. Like other people get this, you don't get this. That's okay. And then I got it. <laughs> when you weren't looking, when you when weren't looking at looking. all. I love this moment in the book, page 287. Felipe finally put his palm against my cheek and said, that's enough, darling. Come to my bed now. Come to my bed now. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> yeah, that you would it. have too. Yeah, that was it. That was <laughs> it, right? Yeah, that was it. And I love that what he said, it was when he said, that's enough. That's enough. Because we'd been courting for, for weeks. And he didn't say, that's enough of you not giving me you. You know, yes. what he said was, that's enough of you on your own in this world. Now I'm with you. Come on. Let's go together now, you know. That's enough. You, you proved it. You can do yeah. it on your own. And now you get to have that in me. So yeah. let's go. I love the fact that your eyes are watering just talking about yeah, it. Yeah, because I love him. <laughs> yeah. And how is it? How are, how, how's things? <laughs> things are so good. Wow. Things are so good. Yeah, that's us on our wedding day. On your wedding day. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I love the way you handle all of this, because when I first started seeing that this was a phenomenon, that everywhere I went, women were carrying it and passing it on to other women, and God bless the men in here who've read it. God bless you. Yeah. Because it's not a journey that's exclusive to women, but so many women are really it struck a chord with all of us. And I said, the next thing that's going to happen God bless Elizabeth. They're going to try to turn her into a guru. Everybody's yeah. going to want to know, can you help me? When they find Richard, it's going to be, Richard, tell me about my life. Can you help, <laughs> can you help me? And one of our producers talked to you and said that Elizabeth 
said, you don't have to travel around the world for this to happen. Oh, my God. What yeah. you need is a shift. Yeah, and that's available everywhere. And I just thought, well, she's got it. She knows. You got it together. You were in the palm, and you remembered a few things God told you. <laughs> you know? Yes, because it's a shift yeah. in the way you look at your life. And people have come to me and said, you know, how can I do what you did? And I'm like, well, first of all, you shouldn't do what I did. Like, you don't need to, to go do exactly the things that I did. The only thing you need to do is ask yourself the questions I was asking myself. That's what you need to do. And if you listen to that, I guarantee that you'll get your own journey, and it will not look like mine, although I do hope that it involves pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so Elizabeth has three daily rituals for anybody who wants to go on their own inner journey, not to follow hers, but to take it your own way. The first one is? Ask yourself every morning when you wake up with a journal, what do you really, really, really want? You have to say really, really, really three times or else you don't believe it. Yeah. And answer really, it. Really, really, really want. And answer it truthfully and do it again the next day and the next and the next. Is it what do I really, really, really want this day? What do I really, really, really want? That's enough. It will come. It might be today. It might be the long term, but you start there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what do important. I really, really, really want? Yeah, because you can't set your journey if you don't know what, you, what yeah. you're for. I think yeah. that is so profound because when you ask most people, they all just say, well, I just want to be happy. But they don't even know how yeah. that is defined for them. Yeah, it's a okay. good start. And, th and that leads to the next thing that I've been doing since I got back as a way of holding on to my attainments. Mm -hmm. I started to write down at the end of every day the happiest moment of every day. And it's my happiness journal. And it's a way of, of, of reminding myself what really makes me happy and what doesn't. Every day also has its crappiest moment of the mm -hmm. day, but I decided not to keep a crappiest moment of the day journal. Yeah, yeah. I'll let that go, yeah. and I'll keep the happiest. So journal. write down your happiest moment yeah. of the day. Yeah, and learn and study and look back and see what is it consistently. For me, what I've realized, it, has, it seems to have a lot to do with photosynthesis, a lot to do with sunlight. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of it is like I'm going to get my mail, and the sunlight hits my shoulders, and I think, oh, I'm alive. And, and that's it. I mean, that there, done. Happy moment of the day, finished. Now you can go do all your chores. You know, wow. but you had it. Okay. And if you remember it, it's useful. Okay. Yeah. And always wonderful to go back. Yeah. I know, because I've kept a gratitude journal for years. And just, you know, really, just the other day, I was looking down. Through, it, it's so wonderful to look at all the things you've been grateful for. Yeah. Okay, now next. And the last one is, is to refine your mantra. Whatever you repeat constantly in your head is your mantra, whether you know it or not. And that is leading you on your way. So if you're repeating, I'm a moron, I'm an idiot, I'm a failure, I'm a jerk, I'm a loser, it's your mantra. So decide whether that's working for you. And maybe um, <laughs> it might be, if that's like your destination, or maybe it's not. And then maybe you might want to choose a different thing to try to say whenever you remember that you're thinking, which you're always doing. Wow. So Change your mantra. Change it. Yeah. Don't, don't get one. You already have one. Change I, it. You know what? My happiest <laughs> moment of the day, I'm going to do that tonight. And my happiest moment of the day is going to be having this chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. That will be my happiest moment of the day. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. I thank you for listening.